Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So it was frustrating, impotent and turgid. But enough about my history of women. We're back this week for a quick podcast to reflect on the almost universally underwhelming liver blank and blitz me through some questions that are on the community's mind after the, well, poo show uh, we've just witnessed. I'm joined today, fittingly, by Jolly Sink Nick. Uh, how are you doing, Nick? Hey, yeah, not bad. Thanks. Merry Christmas, Tom. Um, I'm just having a little bit of Christmas me to to cheer me up after what was a was a bit of a poor game week. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to Christmas. Looking forward to uh, Jeff Bezos bringing some football into the living room on Boxing Day. And uh, yeah, the festivities abound. So just to say who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at wgta underscore fpl or at WGTA underscore Nick. Um, you can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever you'd like to, to get your pod. So um, that's what we're talking about today, Tom. So it's a briefer pod this week. Think of it as like a shortened one where we look at the features and the questions only. So we'll look at the market forces, look at the over 30s, see how your dad got on and then answer listener questions. Uh, there's obviously loads this week after the red car for Son. But first, I've got a little announcement to make. This is my penultimate pod for a little while, as my missus and I are off to Australia for two months in January and February. Uh, so you'll be without me for a bit, but taking over from me, um, I'll be giving the keys to the castle to our friend Anthony, otherwise known as FPL Stag, who will no doubt do a bang-up job as the David Moyes to my Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, it'll, be, uh, it'll be sad to go. Uh, I think I'm, I'm missing 10 podcasts, and I'm hopefully going to be able to dial in for the 100th, which is coming up. Obviously, incredibly uh, happy that Anthony has agreed to, to take over, although maybe he won't have. Now, I just described him as David Moyes. But um, Nick, you were saying off camera, you're very excited to, to have him on. It'll be quite a pivotal time in the season, won't it? Yeah, it'll be a, a key key time for the season for, for Tom to up sticks and leave. But I'm sure that me and me and Stag will um, manage to pod without you. And hopefully we don't see an absolute um, destruction of the listener numbers for you to come back and say, what's happened? Was no one listening anymore? I expect it will go, go the other way. I expect it will 
hope find more people are listening and then they'll drop off after they realize oh god that guy's back again <laughs> have a great time traveling and i'm sure you um you won't miss fpl at all but um yeah how, how are you going to manage it's going to be slightly different for you i guess with the the football matches being on in the night and things like that so there might be a restless saturday night where you're being told off for looking at your phone at three in the morning <laughs> yeah it's going to be bizarre like I'm I'm going to delete the Twitter app um, for a bit. I think a Stag will take over WGTA. Um, I'll be on our little Slack or and be on WhatsApp and stuff. But I'm going to try to take a step back from the community and try not to be as involved, you know, uh, with my team. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to like have to dip in, dip out, kind of hear what's going on. Obviously, I'll see what's going gone on with the games and. I think I'm going to try a bit of under management, Nick, where I'm uh, obviously fully focused on my holiday, not busy thinking, oh, should I get rid of Rashford because he's rubbish? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I'm going to try to completely kind of switch off for a little while. Um, uh, same for work as well, like completely switching off from work. Obviously, I'm on sabbatical. So I think that'll be what I'll try to do, try to undermanage, try to leave the team. But if there's a, you know, a big injury crisis or something, that'd be an absolute nightmare, won't it? So, oh, it's, it's going to be tough. But oh, uh, yeah, I, I think I think you're going to struggle to be honest, knowing you. I know I've I've heard you say this sort of thing before. I'm going to take a little break from it, and then you're, you're more active than me as, as usual. But you know, I wish wish you all the best. And yeah, obviously, um, yeah, you know, you cannot try and undermanage. But then you know, you just just follow the press conferences. I think if you follow the basics, you might actually find there yeah, that you actually do better with this sort of policy of under management over over management but um yeah we'll, we'll wait and see and yeah it'd be nice um, to have a little break in the pod and me and, me and stag will manage just fine i'm sure right okay uh, let's move on to the game week reviews um you don't really want to spend too much time on news do we nick uh, but yeah do you want to go first uh yeah sure so yeah it was, it was a bit of a horror show sunday for just all involved i mean I, I didn't even have Hung Min Son as we talked about in the last pod. I was worried about um, not having him, but yeah, that that really paid off for me. That particular player, but the rest of the rest of the game week was, was pretty terrible. I only got forty two points in the end. I mean, as I said, horror show Sunday. Gazaniga getting a zero and Delhi Ali a one and uh, Rashford just a two pointers. United predictably lost to Watford. I mean, my only points were. Um, well, from Jimenez, my captain, gave me 14 points, which is pretty decent, I guess. Um, Vardy, a nine-pointer, and, um, you know, John Lundstrom at the back, you know, just smashing it again with a, cl- a clean sheet. But, yeah, not not great. It looks like a red arrow, though. It doesn't look like I've been too heavily punished. Just probably about a 20k drop down to about 140k. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean... It was a very bad week. We do have one of these every now and again. And uh, I think I've been due mine for quite a while. And, you know, it's hit me like a comet this week, really, to be honest. It's a 36 minus 4, a 32. On Saturday, I had, in the 3 p.m.s, I had the, the motley crew of Pope, Lundstram, Kelly and Rico in those games. And it was looking like I'd got, I got four out of four clean sheets until about the 70th minute. But that was all right. That, that was looking okay. And De Bruyne um, got an assist. I've got like, the card, of course. And Vardy scored in the uh, Man City-Leicester game. So I thought, well, you know, Sunday, that's where it was always going to be. It's going to be all about the Rashford captain. It's going to be all about that triple Spurs. So I bought in Ali and Aurier this week um, and Son. And Abraham in the 4.30, the London derby. Uh, I needed to avoid two outcomes. The first one was Rashford blanking. And the second one was Chelsea scoring and winning without any Abraham involvement. And that's literally what happened. So Rashford and Man United were 
utterly abject, absolutely terrible. I've kind of felt as soon as I think up until 11, 29, 59 seconds, I was very, you know, enthusiastic about Rashford. And as soon as the deadline hit, I was just like, why have I captained the United player? What am I thinking? And um, I woke up this morning, I was like, all my trust in Man United, what am I doing? And obviously I'd have changed my tune very, very quickly if Man United had done well. But as it was, they didn't. They were absolutely horrendous. Yeah, Rashford, one free kick. He obviously had that chance at the very, very end. And there was a moment as well when uh, Pogba could have uh, squared to him. But I know that blank was awful, really, really bad. And uh, 36 points, 32 net, uh, takes me down to probably about 500k at this point, I think, um, which is quite depressing. Um, But there you go, you live and learn. We all have shockers every now and again. You've got to take your medicine and move on. But the Son Red um, really has poo-pooed my uh, my strategy because my strategy was to take that minus four in order to be able to roll it over Christmas Day uh, so I wouldn't be thinking about transfers as it is now. I've really got to think about what I do with him and I think that that's going to be the majority of our pod today. Um, but first, let's talk about a couple of things quickly just to kind of get a final update on those. Uh, the first thing, um, which is probably going to be linked to that Son Red, is the market forces, Nick. How are managers reacting to the awful game we've just seen? Unsurprisingly, um, it, it's all about Son Hung Min in terms of the market forces. I had it ready about half an hour ago. It said it had 170,000 transfers out. I've literally just pressed refresh and it's now up to 195,000 transfers out. So by the time you're actually listening to it, it's probably going to be double that. So yeah, a lot of managers selling Hung Min Son. Obviously, after that absolutely stupid, you know, petulant move that he made to her in the game, you're just like, with VAR, just what, what were you doing? What were you thinking? You yeah, know? you can't do that, can you? Unfortunately, you know, everyone, everyone loves Son, but he does have this sort of side to him. He's, he's had it before where he reacted and pushed over um, Lerma last season as well. So it's a, yeah, it was a disappointing to, to see him sent off yet again at the third um, in the last six months for Spurs. But uh, yeah, 195,000 transfers out at time of recording. Um, a lot of people sending him, uh, but yeah, the, the sort of the, the, I guess the one that sort of dashed to the top of the uh, market forces, the dash, so to speak, is um, Kevin De Bruyne, um, attracting the most attention, apparently. Um, 75,000 managers have transferred him in. Um, and yeah, I guess he's got 44.7% ownership at the moment, so I was quite surprised to see that so many people still didn't have this guy in their team, but especially after that 19 points against Arsenal. But he only picked up the four points against Leicester with that assist. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's the most attractive prospect, at least for the Manchester setting on straight away with 75,000 transfers in. But, um, you know, there's, there's a few other people out up there that are attracting attention. Uh, Greedish, uh, Jack Greedish, who we'll talk about as well later when we talk about Son, um, has had 65,000 transfers in. Um, and Salah has had 65,000 transfers in as well. Um, also being sold is um, McGinn. So maybe a few people doing a sort of a sideways move between their Aston Vera assets there between Greenish and McGinn. He's had 46,000 treasures out at this moment in time, having picked up an ankle injury. Not too surprised by any of that, really. Um, I think there's, a, there's definitely a bit of a clamour for Salah, um, which I, I guess we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, elsewhere, you've got um, my cousin Todd, um, who I sold a couple of weeks ago, coming through for many people with a 10-pointer this week, a 55k, I've brought him in. Uh, Danny Ings, a brace, uh, 13 points, um, a rare double-digit return for him, uh, 61,000 transfers in. And being sold um, on the other side, uh, Marcus Rashford, uh, Obviously, tried the patience of many a manager, being knee jerked out perhaps by almost thirty thousand, and also Pulisic and Madison, uh, twenty five thousand, twenty three thousand sold for them. 
Pulisic maybe makes more sense, didn't play. Might well play uh, the next game now against Southampton. Uh, but Madison, hmm, not too sure what you think about that, Nick. Would you uh, class that one as knee-jerking? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, he um, he had a tough game against Manchester City. You know, returns weren't necessarily on the, on the cards in that game. And he did he did manage um, a pretty decent shot on target during the game as well. And, you know, looked like... Um, his usual sort of creative force for Leicester. So as a Madison owner, a bit surprised to see him appear on the market forces. They do have um, Liverpool up next, which perhaps is influencing a few managers. But after that, so it's a really nice run of fixtures for Leicester. It's another sort of run of five really good games. West Ham, Newcastle, Southampton, Burnley, West Ham again. So um, for me, I think Madison's going to stay in my team. I, I don't think he... he he needs to go, but I guess a lot of people looking at some of the other midfield options and and Madison's working as a, a make weight in that. Um, yeah, so Pulisic, no surprise there, didn't play. Rashford, again, um, perhaps a few people are doing this sort of swap between Rashford and Ings, um, and we've got questions on Danny Ings as well later. Yeah, exactly. Right, okay. Um, so no mini league update this week, I don't think, just because the games have just finished and they're still updating. Um, I guess we'll try to get around to that at some point, maybe put a tweet or something, Nick, if you can, on uh, how people are doing. Um, the over 30s did pretty well this week, actually. They got a 52. That's mostly down to them owning William Borges de Silva, otherwise known as Willian. They've got 16 points for them, uh, which is a pretty damn good score. Vardy with the captaincy as well of an 18. And Moutinho, a returning assist as well. But th- that was basically it. Uh, their Tottenham trio is Toby, uh, Vertonghen and Sissoko. Oh, actually, they played the wild card this week. I forgot about that. Um, and they bring in a few players like, uh, t- like those Spurs players. But... I mean, I think over the over the course of Christmas, though, they could be well set because they've got a very very nice front three of Aguero, uh, Aubameyang, and Vardy again. Um, so yeah, they could be well set for returns. I think they'll be uh, nearing the top million again now after after today's outcome. So yeah, mm-hmm. not too bad at all. And uh, speaking of over thirties, as you said last week, <laughs> sorry Ian, um, but how's uh, uh, how's your dad uh, doing? How did he get on? I mean, he had a better week than me, but you know, not not tearing up any trees um, like. You know, very few people managed to do this this particular game week. Um, he he got forty six points in total, so he outscored me by four points. Looks like it's probably going to be sort of a greyish arrow for him, perhaps a small red. Um, I don't know at the moment in time, but yeah, he he'll be disappointed by seeing that son um, minus one. And I think it's just the captain Vardy that sort of you know paid off for him the most um, with that sort of eighteen point return from Jamie Vardy, just sticking with. Um, sticking with Vardy, not experimenting with the captains, you know, not playing around too much, seemed to work um, out as a decent strategy alongside sort of the likes of Pope and Goal, getting him some points as well. So, um, yeah, um, sort of average week for him, still uh, still beating us all, um, OR 60k at the moment. Still beating us all indeed. All right, so... The first one is the one that we've uh, looked at a little bit more than the others, uh, which is obviously Son WTAF. Um, so the Dairy Cracker, FPL, JB, Justin, uh, Steve Winyard, and Adam Five, and probably everybody else had me put this question up after uh, the game, asked, what do we do with Son? Um, so obviously lots of owners out there. Um, before this game week uh, dawned, I think he hit 25% maybe, um, but now he's down to 21. And it's a free game ban, isn't it, for violent conduct? So um, I think, uh, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a hard sell. Um, so lots of options, aren't there, Nick, in terms of the, the dancers who could possibly come in for him. Uh, but which guys have you identified as being some of the key options? 
So yeah, this is this is a little bit of a debate that we had on on WhatsApp um, earlier, Tom, as well. In terms of whether you're going to go for more expensive options and and take a minus four, or whether you're actually going to say, right, you know what? There, there are actually some decent mid price options here. Um, so I, I guess um, it's up to you where you want to start. Do you want to start on the, the premium options? Because I know uh, for you the decision is between Salah and Sterling at the moment, and that's going to involve another sort of minus four in terms of your team, in terms of what you want to do and the changes you want to make. So I know I'd probably say it's probably Salah for you, isn't it, rather than Sterling? He's he's the main guy that perhaps you're thinking about in terms of um, a some replacement, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's between the two premium assets. I'm not too sure where Cooper's arrow is going to go, um, but it is between basically which one of them do I pair with Mane? Is it going to be Mala or is it going to be Marling? And I think at the moment it's, it is looking like Mala. Um, I, I do like the idea of bringing in Sterling just because I looked at both of their minutes over Christmas uh, last year and they both played every minute. So they're both able to do it. Um, it's just the case of how, how I go and where I go with it. And I am... I just think that having the Salah and, and Mane for Liverpool in the league um, is going to be uh, something that's going to set me up well, basically for the rest of the year. Um, so I think, well, why not just accelerate that now? Do that now. Um, the guy who go with would be Abraham uh, for I think I think Musa is probably the one I'm going to go for as a you get what you pay for sort of move. He didn't start uh, the game this mm-hmm. weekend, so he's likely to start against Watford, and then I'll bench him and play Sonchu again um, after that so hopefully it will be okay and um, yeah that, that's where I'm looking at the moment I, I like the merits of both players and obviously they're both statting very very well obviously has been getting those uh, double digit returns got two in a row before they went uh, off to Qatar yeah that's, that's, that's very interesting I mean as a sort of non-owner my whole plan this game week was, was to fit him in on a minus four and, and now I've got to think about what I'm gonna do now that option doesn't present himself because it was working out quite um Smartly for me, in terms, of I came up with a plan to to sell him and his downgrade to Greenwood, and then um, change uh, Hayden all the way up into Son uh, with the budget left over. But I can't do that now, and uh, I, I just I just worry about what your your proposal. I feel like it's, it's another minus four for your team. I feel like there's perhaps some mid price midfielders that you perhaps haven't thought about too much. I mean. I really do like the idea of the Salamane double up. It's um, worked wonders for some managers, you know, like Magnus Carlsen, for instance, had him uh, Salamane for the last few game weeks, and you know he's he's done really well off the back of that. But I mean, I, I look at Liverpool's next five, um, and it's like Leicester, Wolves, Sheffield United, Spurs, and Manchester United, and and you know I'm not seeing huge returns to that compared to sort of some of the other teams and some of their some of their other fixtures. So that 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 is my concern with the strategy, but. You know, Salah is such a great pick. I feel like, you know, I'm not... He's he's now going to be the player that I'm worried about. Previously, it was Son. Now it's going to be Salah. So perhaps I'm just trying to encourage you not to pick him just because of fear of missing out a little bit as well. Yeah, FOMO, literally. Um, but I mean... If... I think we've spoken about Salah and spoken about Sterling. They've had the, they've had the vast majority of, of the pie chart of speech time on this pod uh, over the last couple of seasons. Uh, so it's, it's not worth debating the merits of them as assets. I think you're right, though, that maybe taking the minus four is a bit rubbish. But I think I'm not too concerned about that almost. It's like, OK, I've taken a couple of minus fours in the past, but mm-hmm. that was uh, the last couple of game weeks. But that was kind of to try to set up to gamble for this week and and going forward, which was having that triple Spurs for Christmas and also having Rashford. Obviously, it's not quite worked out. 
Um, but a, a new situation has now occurred and I shouldn't be thinking, oh God, I've taken two months forwards in a row. I shouldn't take another one. Um, I don't think at least. That's, that's not really how I look at it. I'm trying to look at them as kind of separate uh, separate episodes as it were. And I know what you mean about the fixtures not being great. It's the same for Man City as well. Uh, or a little bit better actually for Man City. Uh, Wolves, uh, Sheffield United, Everton, Aston Villa and Crystal Palace. Um, and what I like about Sterling is that I think in the rush to Salah, um, those people are going to be overlooking Sterling, um, who equally, I know people are saying, oh, it's Pep, there could be rotation, did play for 90 minutes um, over last over last Christmas, pretty much in every game. He is Pep's guy. Um, and I think that he's obviously still got the data there to support the fact that he is a very, very good transfer. And I don't know, I, I, could, I could see him being overlooked and being quite a nice little mm-hmm. uh, swing uh, in my team uh, compared to people who are going to be sitting there with Salah um, but really I, I think that's probably it's, it's not worth looking at the ownership numbers here it's worth more looking at which player is the better buy um, which is which is hard to say really I just prefer I just, just think yeah. Salah's probably a good one to get <laughs> yeah I think Sterling obviously we, we do know he, he is a great asset but he hasn't hasn't really been performing brilliantly I mean if you ignore the first three game weeks of the season where he got five goals since then it's been it's been four in in 15 games for him so you know that's that's not brilliant for four goals in 15 games really is it and and two assists as well um so that is my concern with sterling the fact that he is so expensive 11.8 million pounds you really would have expected um more returns for that sort of that sort of buck so i guess that that's, that's my concern at least with sterling and and perhaps with Salah. you know i'd probably definitely lean towards Salah over sterling in terms of the two choices but perhaps i should try and present to you some of the um cheaper options then if I'm being so negative about you know you taking the hits which I'm and you're leaning towards at the moment so yeah let's go through some of the cheaper options then so the first one I, I would uh, like to discuss perhaps is um it's Mason Mount actually Tom so we, we've both sold him we had him um earlier in the season the ghost um, of Christmas past <laughs> years the ghost of Christmas past for our teams and uh yeah I actually I was thinking about Chelsea's just obviously we just watched them and I was looking at a couple of the players firstly is Mount but there's also Willie Ann who's, who's just scored a brace but yeah Mount uh, looking at Chelsea's fixtures Southampton Arsenal Brighton Burnley Newcastle we're not really talking about that fixture run and, and that's a great um set of five fixtures especially that um plum game against Arsenal um who've uh, conceded the second most shots um, of all teams so far this season. <laughs> but yeah, Mason Mount, in terms of his underlying stats, he's, he's not been too um, prolific in terms of goals recently, especially compared to sort of earlier on in the season where he's a bit of a revelation. But his price, you, you know, you know you've, you've got to appreciate sort of a 6.5 million midfielder who, who plays for a sort of a top six side. And, and with those fixtures, you know, they're, they're really nice. And, you know, they're, his stats are really good. I mean, Forty-eight goal attempts is fourth amongst all midfielders, and and it's not like it's dropped as well because in the last six game weeks he's he's also remained fourth for goal attempts for midfielders with with fifteen. So you know you you gotta like that. You, you gotta kind of look this guy and think six point five million, statting well, good fixtures. Um, what's not to love? No, um, I think that that's absolutely fine. I completely see why he's worthy of consideration. Um, I think that there's definitely, as I said earlier on, because there's an element of because I've sold him, I'm less likely to look at him, which is probably a bit of a blind spot for many managers. Um, with Mount, um, within that fixture run, I completely agree that it's a very, very good one. And it looks like uh, he, rather than Pulisic, perhaps is the one that uh, Lampard's going to be favouring. I think he and Willian definitely are two players who you definitely be 
considering i mean willian did just get his brace but we've known we've known in the past for a long time that willian has been one of those players who uh, has nailed it in the underlying stats but um perhaps has not been able to translate that into anything other than just a bit of a prancer's uh, position um, I think if you are looking at somebody around 6.5, whatever mark, but that's okay. On top of what you said about uh, Mount, like Willian, just eight for goal attempts or something like that over yeah. the last six. I mean, it's okay. It's always okay with Willian. There's just something about about him and something about the inconsistency, having owned him a couple of times. I mentioned with General last week, a couple of years ago, I signed him on, on Boxing Day and he'd left my squad again by New Year's Day. Again, I'm, I'm reticent to go back to him. I just feel like I just couldn't trust him. Um, whereas I can do that with Salah and uh, and Sterling. Uh, maybe, again, it's a price-led thing. Um, but let's see what other options you've got. Because although that run is great, I just kind of feel like I'm just not too interested in either of those. They don't get me, Nick. They don't get me. No, that's fair enough. You know, I, I don't have any Chelsea coverage. Instead, I was loaded up on Spurs players for that game. And I was like, well, if I just did ditch Chelsea completely. And it's, it's made me think, actually, I should start looking at a few of their assets again in terms of the midfield, if, if I'm thinking about bringing in a... You know, a midfielder. I mean, the, the actual one, Tom, that I'm most keen on at the moment in terms of what I'm doing for my team is is, is Jack um, Jack Grealish. So, um, yeah, as, as I mentioned, you know, I've, I've got I was planning on setting Honest Raul um, from my team, dumping him for um, Mason Greenwood character character to to get in Hung and Son. But now I'm thinking actually with the budget from my uh, I've got about three million in the bank. With my budget, I might just sort out the problem and bench Raul and uh, um, ditch Hayden uh, for uh, for Greedish. And um, so Greedish's stats are, are really really good. For the last six game weeks, he he's third across all midfielders for goal attempts with um, seventeen, only behind Kevin De Bruyne and and Riyad Mahrez. And and he's got brilliant fixtures as well, Jack Greedish. So up next, he's got. Norwich, Watford and, and Burnley. And I know Aston Villa are a team that are struggling, but there's no doubting that Jack Grealish is their talisman. And um, he's going to be playing all those games. He's going to be key to them. He's, he scored again this game weekend. And in terms of the underlying stats, what's not so bad, as I said, he's, he's right up there, statting really high. I said third for goal attempts across the last six. And then across the whole season, you know, he, he's up there as well within the sort of the top 10 for, for midfielders. And, uh, yeah, in terms of chances created as well, he's been one of the most creative midfielders in in the Premier League as well over the over the course of the season. Um, with uh, forty four chances created, which is the, the third amongst all midfielders, only behind Buendia and uh, De Bruyne. So yeah, Jack Greenish, he I think he looks like a really good pick. And for those upcoming three next fixtures, I, I really like him actually. I, I mean, I haven't owned him before, but you know, I think he, he could um, be the answer to some of the midfield woes that are going on right now. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean about Grealish. The opportunity cost of buying Ali um, last week, obviously not being able to anticipate what happened, uh, was overlooking Grealish. And, and maybe I, uh, I, I, I could have gone for an easier option there with Grealish. As you say, it's always very good to see a player who's doing well in both the analogue threat stats and also the analogue creativity stats um, over the last six. Uh, his XG, um, he's actually fourth for XG amongst midfielders uh, whilst creating 19 uh, chances in that period. Yeah, but that's pretty good. Like, you know, the sort of thing that we'd look at, we'd, we'd see with Eden Hazard, for example, every year, and um, that he'd be topping both metrics. So, I mean, maybe there's a case that because he's not playing for a top six club, I'm not looking at him, or I'm not as interested in him. I'm kind of thinking, oh, you know, it's Villa, and I'm not interested in Villa. Um, but as you say, my own or our own talisman theory should be pointing me in that direction. 
Ooh, yeah, no, I, okay, I can kind of see that a bit more with Grealish. Um, I can see that, you know, as you mentioned, those fixtures are very, very good. At least the next three are very, very good. Obviously, there's Man City on New Year's Day. But around that, I think 19 to 25, that's six very strong fixtures out of the seven. Uh, so maybe he could be one uh, that I should be looking at a little bit more. Clearly, he is the man who is everything's going to run for, especially with McGinn out. You know, I think it was Nakamba, marvellous, who came on uh, for McGinn. Uh, so maybe we'll see you know, a more solid basis for him to create on. I think he's been playing on the wing recently. Uh, Adam Hopcroft said on Twitter not very long ago that um, obviously he'd still be the key man. He'll be the man that everyone's looking to with the ineffectual Wesley um, just not crushing it at all, effectively. But um, I'm still... I don't know. I, I'm still, uh, I'm still enamoured. I think uh, with the Vixens, which are uh, Mo Salah and uh, and uh, Raheem Sterling. I'm still. Mm. I, I can, I can see if if I wanted to get rid of, I don't know, Dendonka or something, upgrade him, then I'd be looking at Grealish. But because it's Son, because it's like I could easily get a premium player into that slot now. I'm still valuing that almost because I trust them more than I trust Nasty Villa player, and it's a psychological thing, perhaps over a rational thing. Yeah, I guess you don't want to lose um, one of your premiums, do you? So I guess kind of understand the loss of a premium for sort of more of a, a mid-price maestro. Um, perhaps um, you're not really feeling that move uh, right now. Whereas for me, it is different because I'm I'm not losing a premium. In fact, because I'm trying to just fill a slot in the team essentially. So. Um, as a replacement for him in there. So it's, it's different circumstances. That's why I'm kind of, you know, pushing towards the uh, mid-price mids over, over the premiums. But it's good to, good to differ. I think the last two picks I want to talk about, Tom, perhaps, you know, not brilliant in terms of the underlying stats or less stats to talk about, but worth highlighting. Um, one of them is, uh, I guess, if you want to stick with the Spurs, um, we all got Son in for a reason. It was just for Spurs fixtures. Uh, Brighton, Norwich, Southampton, Liverpool and Watford and sort of over the Christmas period. Um, you know, those next three, the, perhaps the ones that we were most excited about, we got the Spurs players in, not really for the Chelsea game, but for the games afterwards. So maybe um, go for Lucas Moura, you know, save a couple million that way, you know, they'll come back fighting for the, for the next few. And, and with Son out now suspended, um, Moura's position should, should be nailed in, in the team, I suspect, over Christmas. The other one I thought worth mentioning is uh, Paul Pogba, who was spotted playing football this weekend, wasn't he? <laughs> um, and he hasn't been seen since game week seven. Um, people love to talk about Pogba and transfer rumours and stuff like that. But we, we forget, actually, that he was a pretty solid FPO option last season, wasn't he? 13 goals, 10 assists, certainly not to be sniffed at. And he was only second to Salah with 105 goal attempts across all midfields. Um, and he was second for shots and target too and had a chance every 28.7 minutes he was he was pretty much Manchester I think he was Manchester United's talent um, from the stats last season and if Pogba he only had sort of a 32 odd minute cameo but if Pogba's back and uh, you know you, you kind of think actually this is a pretty uh, pretty sweet differential for Manchester United's fixtures which are actually pretty decent as well yeah certainly uh, so uh, Lucas Moura I already, I already own Ali um, and I think that if you don't own Ali and you have Son then the straight swap is pretty much on um, should have said that at the start, really, actually. Um, but for me personally, I'm, I'm not too enamoured of Lucas Moura. I just think that he seems to be the man who's hooked in the 60th, 70th minute or something like that. Um, obviously, people think about that hat trick against Huddersfield last year and think about the initial goals that he scored uh, under Mourinho. But oh, am, I, am I that interested in him? Not really, especially after watching the game today when they did have uh, they did have 11 men. I, I think that it was a little bit of an off day for Spurs altogether. But yeah, no, definitely not. 
um, for me. And uh, yeah, Pogba. I think the majority of those points uh, and goals were scored when Oli came in and there was a new manager bounce, wasn't it, last year? Apart from, I think he kind of completely dried up after a while. Got me two penalties at one point against West Ham. That was basically it. And I think because he's coming back from a quote-unquote injury uh, for after a long time out, um, I think the maybe the, the frequency of fixtures over Christmas probably just about rules him out for me. But, you know, he's one to keep an eye on, for sure. I'm hoping he's going to have a positive impact on Rashford, who I do already own. And if there isn't another new manager bounce after Ole goes for um, Pochettino, then maybe I'll bring in Pogba again. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm, as you can probably hear, my mind's pretty much made up already to go with Mala, um, Mane and Salah, and just go for that kind of uh, double uh, double up and double sword. But no, I, of those options, I really like Grealish. I think that's, a re- that's obviously a very good shout. I think it has one on my mind. Um, I think the other one as well could be Madison because obviously you own him, so you haven't really looked at him. And he's a player who um, has not particularly been heralded um, too much. But uh, as you say, after the Liverpool game, the fixtures are again very, very good. Maybe it could be a case of uh, joining you on him. Uh, and also, I guess, I mean, we're going to talk about Everton in a little while. Uh, but there's also Richarlison to talk about, the pigeon. Um, he is on four yellow cards at the moment. So maybe we may see um, uh, that, may, that may put me off. Um, but the data's still OK. Um, he's fourth for XG over the last six games amongst midfielders. He's, he's also uh, fifth for shots in the box amongst midfielders over the last six. So yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Like, there's definitely a good case for Richarlison too. I just think there's a good opportunity for me, as you've probably guessed, uh, to, to, bring in, uh, to bring in Salah and just go for that double up and just go for it and, ha- and have those two players. I mean, the only Liverpool pitch is bad but, uh, on paper, but it is Liverpool one. They're going for the league two and three in those hard fixtures. At least you know that Salah's going to start. And I think the 90-minute man thing is obviously very, very important over Christmas, uh, which is, again, influencing my move. Not that um, Grealish won't play 90 or any of those other players won't play 90, but with Salah, you can be fairly sure that he will be needed for those big games. I think Rashardison, um it's kind of like they've got the new manager coming in in Ancelotti and, and it kind of, it's a wait and see to see how he fits into Ancelotti's um, style of play, which is more sort of a 4-4-2, which perhaps is slightly different to to what um, Richarlison is used to playing. So it'd be very interesting to see how he adapts to that. But, you know, I think um, there are certainly plenty, sounds like your mind's made up, but there are certainly plenty of options out there in terms of what to do with the midfielders. It's, it's very much not cut and dry. And it's very open to discussion and, you know, looking at all of these options, which is actually also very good for FPL because we, we like to have plenty of options. We don't want to be too stuck in templates where we, we have the same starting 11 as you know our mates and stuff and everyone's kind of like oh you know we're all scoring about the same so you know very good um for FPL to have all these options available right now yeah always very good to, if there's a uh, a random red card to shake up that template all right let's take a break there and we'll take the rest of the questions who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and um, yeah, we're going to continue down the question road on this pod, as we said earlier. Um, we've had plenty to, to talk about after this game week and plenty to discuss. And the next question is from FPL Rhinos, Ed, who we met at the uh, Christmas party um, again. Um, and yeah, he's asked us if um, this year we're going to see Christmas rotation. So it's all about the 90-minute men. With even um, Brendan Rogers mentioning that Vardy would be rotated, so even the talisman perhaps aren't safe. So, so what are our plans in terms of how how we're going to manage that over the Christmas period? Well, I mean, I touched on it a minute ago with the players that I'm favouring to bring in for Son, um, and I think that it definitely is a, is a thing now uh, that you've got to be looking at those players who are 
reasonably likely to start in the majority of the time. If we take rotation to its logical conclusion, you're worried about rotation for every player. And you might as well get a team of Burnley and Crystal Palace and Sheffield United players together. Um, so it, there's always going to be that worry. And often it's just like, I don't know, worrying about getting a cold in winter. You're going to get it. It's probably going to happen. There's probably going to be nothing you can do about it. Um, that said... I think over Christmas, when you are thinking about the transfers you're going to be making, and this probably affects people who are on wildcard as well to some extent, the players who are likely and you to play those 90 minutes over Christmas and aren't likely to be the ones who are going to be battling fatigue are likely to be the guys who you should be favouring. Um, after all, you're not going to get the points of the players not on the pitch. Bench is probably quite useful. You know, players like Soyonchu, like Kelly, like Lundstram have been absolute sort of uh, staples of the last kind of game weeks uh, in terms of the defence. Um, but we also saw FPL Yogi mentioned this guy Todd Campwell coming back into contention as well with a 10 pointer this week. Like players like that who you're happy to, who you know are starting, who you know are likely to play, even the likes of Dendonka or you know uh, your your musician friend uh, Hayden. Players like that as well are also of interest. Like last year we didn't see that much rotation, but this year I, I don't know if if I'm worried that. Uh, you are going to see some game weeks when you, you have 10 or 11 players uh, throughout your squad who, who are going to play and get that kind of those kind of two or three one-pointers. So amongst your big hitters, I think, just make sure you, you've got players in um, favouring those players who are uh, the Picards and not Rikering with the likes of you know, Mares or something. Yeah, I think that, that makes sense. I think obviously, yeah, it's it's nice to have um you know those players that can come off the bench, and we we've been blessed this season with with you know plenty of sort of four million men in defence that has meant we've been well stocked in terms of having those players come off the bench to likes of can well I think actually yeah for my team I'm I'm giving myself a bit of a benching headache so to speak perhaps in terms of the move I'm planning on making as you as you mentioned my musical friend Hayden um, you know he's been giving plenty of dulcet two pointers week in week out but um, I've got the budget from my last moves to actually upgrade him now to Grealish and um, it kind of resolves my Jimenez problem so I'm actually thinking about benching Jimenez for the Manchester City and Liverpool games and it might result in some bench points for me perhaps uh, this stands a five or six pointer but um, also if one of my players doesn't start for instance or doesn't play at all um, then you know I've got a great play like Jimenez coming off the bench which is um, quite a fantastic prospect to have over, over this sort of congested Christmas period so that, that's that's what I'm considering for my move that's perhaps how I'm considering how to manage this situation but of course you know as we mentioned the likes of Campwell and the likes of these cheap defenders um, unfortunately Rico suspended this game week but you know the Rico's the Kelly's Lundstrom's um, you know being available um, off the bench in case when you're starting 11 doesn't play is it's very nice to have and you know you, you don't want to be in a situation where you've got like the likes of Winston Reed for instance and you know, suspended bench, suspended players on your bench and, and missing out on points. So perhaps it's good to have at least one or two players you can be sure of a start on your bench, but not overthink it, not over worry, as you said, Tom. You know, it will happen. If it happens, it happens. You know, you can't really do anything about it and you can't really predict um, what the managers are actually going to do, really. Yeah, and don't do a me from last year and take a minus eight or something like that if you've got a player who's got a mere fixture. Don't take those big hits just to try to make sure you've got a decent kind of uh, 14, 15 every week because there is inevitably going to be somebody who's shockingly not on the team sheet and not in the squad. Right, next one, uh, Danny Ings, Nick. Uh, neither of us bought him. I said when Tammy Abraham was injured and I was thinking about who I'd replace him with and I eventually did nothing. Danny Ings on a minus four is what I tweeted. It just doesn't sound right. 
Well, um, obviously, I was completely wrong there because it would have been a fantastic thing to do. And uh, there's obviously quite a few questions about this guy now after yet another return a brace uh, for, for young Danny Ings. Uh, so Samit Bajani says he was looking to buy Ings. Then he saw the fixture list. Um, FPL DC asks if he's the real deal. And Harry Duke, uh, then Zod, perhaps sum it up best because they say, am I being with Dubbin? in not owning Danny Ings. Uh, so a bit of a surprise star. Uh, well, not a surprise if uh, in terms of talisman theory, but a surprise star in terms of his continuing fitness and his con- continually being prolific. Um, obviously uh, hated by FPL General uh, for, for his injury record uh, on the no list and uh, probably on mine as well by extension too because of the fact that whenever I bring him in, he's just going to go to Am- He's just going to end up in the hospital, isn't he? Um, but it, he has done very, very well. And uh, I mean, are these sorts of approaches, thoughts... Uh, just, just a bit silly, Nick. I'll be getting in our, in our own way because as, as a fanciful fix tweeted this week, his ownership level is getting pretty high actually in active teams. It's almost 25% now. Well, yeah, Danny Ings, he has uh, seven goals and seven. I mean, what's not to like with those sort of returns? That's, that's fantastic. But, you know, like a lot of managers, I haven't haven't fit Danny Ings into my team. At uh, 6.4 million, you know, he's, he fits that sort of budget first striker bill perfectly. But we've, we've been all wrapped up, haven't we, in sort of Abraham, Jimenez and Rashford. And, of course, we all own Jamie Vardy as well. We just haven't really... You know, had too much time to discuss Danny Ings, and he's been, you know, for for those that owned him this game week, they've absolutely bossed it with that thirteen point return, and you know, it's pretty much a guaranteed green arrow for any managers that have him. So, so well done for, for all the Danny Ings owners. I think in terms of a sort of a clamour to to buy the guy. I, I don't know. Perhaps I'm being ridiculously stubborn, like some of our listeners, and I'm I'm just not. I'm just not overly enamoured with. You know, bringing him in as, he, as I know, sort of, I've had him before in his history, and in injury still is a is a concern for me. They always just do sort of forty five minute um, appearances, though he seems to have got over that at least for now. But you know, over Christmas it's going to be fixture congestion. Southampton's fixtures, if they were better, perhaps I would be talking about him and thinking very strongly about bringing him in. But it's Chelsea. Crystal Palace at home, which um, that's actually quite a tough fixture because Crystal Palace have been really solid defensively over the course of the season. Spurs at home, Leicester away, Wolves at home, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough fixture run. And, you know, I think Southampton will struggle for chances during those games. And whilst Dan Yings has been uh, pretty prolific in terms of putting away his, uh, his goals, he's got a goal conversion rate of 27.5%, which um, only only Jamie Vardy in terms of the active strikers can can beat. No, I think, I, I yeah, I think there's an element of missing the boat now with Ings. I think probably the last time to bring him in was, was obviously this week. Uh, as you mentioned, the fixtures aren't that great now. I think that um, Hasenhutl was well aware that their survival hope seems to depend on him continuing to score. And the fact he's in good form, despite those fixtures being hard, probably are a big plus in his column. I expect he would be given those 60, 70 minutes in every game. I don't know. I'm the same as you, and I'm not actively looking to bring him in. I just don't have that fear factor with him where, where I may maybe should, and maybe that's a failing of mine. Um, but uh, I just, it's just, it's just one of those things where you can't have them all, I suppose. And I've been hoping that you know, Abraham or whatever uh, would uh, w- would kind of fit the bill for me this week because I'm looking to bring in Salah or Sterling. I'm overlooking Ings again, uh, but uh, I mean, I could, for example. To go on one of your options and get in Grealish and Ings for, for Tammy and uh, and Son. 
I, I there is probably an element of stubbornness in it. There's definitely an element, as I mentioned a second ago, of of me just not having the FOMO with him. I think every week I expect him to blank, and he's just not. Um, am I missing out on points? Probably. Is it going to be an article that I write at the end of the season? Why did we miss out on Danny Ings? Probably as well. There's no novelty effect there. Um, at this point, though, would I still would I be telling people to bring him in? He's a man in form. The fixtures aren't great. It's really up to managers themselves to decide. Uh, I, I just I haven't got my own answer there because I just feel like I'm I'm not able to quite do it. And every time that I I have looked at him, I think I should have probably removed Tammy for him in hindsight. I just didn't, and uh, that that's definitely affected me in terms of uh, the point shield. I, I, I'm just going to have to hope that I've missed the boat now. Yeah, I think so. I, I do look at those fixtures and I think I'm not really sure I really want to rush to, to get this guy in. I mean, it might be easier for me to do it. I mean, a straight swap, him and Ernst Ings, perhaps looks like a pretty decent move for my team on, on paper. But yeah, I thought Chelsea were pretty um, solid defensively against Spurs with um, Antonio Rudiger back marshalling the defence, you know. I don't fancy Southampton to, to get any form of attacking return in, in that game. And I'm just, I just don't like the look of those fixtures. So it's, it's not selling itself for me, even though Danny Ings does look like he's in brilliant form. Perhaps that's, that's my own mistake, as I'm sure I'll come to Rue um, in a couple of weeks' time. All right, next question. Goalkeepers. So, uh, Jeremy Lewis asked, the best goalies in the second half of the season. Um, I say zzz because I find goalkeepers incredibly boring. <laughs> who doesn't? Um, but obviously, people who brought in Gaitar or people who brought in Henderson for Pope a couple of weeks ago. Um, obviously, Gaitar owners have had a, a, a few very, very good weeks and really, really benefits from people like me who get Pope. And Henderson this week got the assist, um, which is quite cool. So, that, I mean, there's lots of options obviously out there in terms of goalkeepers in the second half of the season. There's also Aaron Ramsdale at Bournemouth. He's actually third for keepers at the moment, who's 4.6, so he's the cheapest one uh, in the top 10. Um, and they've actually got some decent fixtures coming. So they've got an easy game against Arsenal up next, and that starts them off on a run where they didn't play any of the top six uh, from last season all the way until uh, the end of February, uh, game week 27. So potentially the cherry could be a good idea uh, to bring in. It's just whether you kind of worry about uh, uh, whether you trust their defence, I suppose. Um yeah, I really struggle to get interested in goalkeepers. I really do. I feel like maybe uh, if I had the funds, I should have done Guaitar, as you told me I should have done a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, I mean, goalkeepers, Nick, is there anything that's caught your eye, anything that makes you think? Um, well, yeah, goalkeepers is actually something that's just relatively on my mind at the moment, just because um, I've got Gazaniga in my in goal at the moment. And just like, he got me a zero pointer tonight. I'm absolutely fuming, fuming with the guy, to be honest. I've got, I've got this guy in my team. Oh, it's a, it's since, a fantastic um, kung fu kick, since, though. <laughs> since, uh, yeah, since I wildcarded him, I, I sold him. Um, Denders, Dean Henderson, just purely because he, he doesn't play, um, he, he wasn't going to be playing that Manchester United game. And it's just it's just really frustrating because Sheffield United continued to, to boss it in terms of their form. Um, Henderson actually has the, the best save percentage of all the active goalkeepers over the course of the season, 80%. He, he's been really, really good for Sheffield United. He's, he's um, the 44 saves, you know, he, he's really helped them out in terms of keeping um, those clean sheets that we've seen recently. So, so yeah, I I really like Henderson actually as my my pick, and um, I mean I've got it's going to be a transfer waiting to have on Gazaniga anyway because um, Mourinho's um, mentioned that Lloris is um, potentially going to be back in February, so I'm, I'm thinking about maybe just ripping off the band aid come game week 21 where there's a fixture shift. So Sheffield United have Watford, um, obviously 
they might get a clean sheet there. But then after that, it's Manchester City and Liverpool. Um, while Spurs are Brighton, Norwich and Southampton um, over the next three. So I'll probably keep um, Gaza for those games. But when um, Spurs play Liverpool at home, which will inevitably concede four against them, um, and Sheffield United have West Ham at home, I might actually do a goalkeeper swap that game week. And he's, he's just the one that I want, I think. You know, I've been talking about um, double Sheffield United defence for a while and I really should have done that George Bulldog move as opposed to bringing in freaking um, Matt Target but um, yeah so I think for me it's um, Henderson the leading man obviously you mentioned Ramsdale Bournemouth's fixture is pretty decent there's a few others like you know Matt Ryan who's been statting well and, and sort of templates favourite Nick Pope but I know you, you, you've also been looking at the premium goalkeepers as well haven't you Tom? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, in the past, I've really, the, the times that I've done very well with keepers is when I've completely forgotten about them and just not bother with them, not mess with them. And the Pope was designed to be that guy. And you could well be that guy. I could well just kind of deem it as not being a fire as I've continued to deem it throughout the course of the season. Um, but there are obviously two up there who are worthy of consideration. The first one is Edison de Marais, otherwise known as Edison, uh, the Man City keeper, um, who's, who's, who's all right, uh, 6.0, 60 points this year. Um, but I don't trust the Man City defence. I don't really trust Kepper either in the Chelsea defence. But one man I do trust is Allison um, at Liverpool. Um, so, uh, obviously, he was injured for a little while back now and should play the majority of the games. Last season, let's not forget, 176 points from 21 clean sheets and just 22 goals conceded. Uh, this year, obviously, uh, they haven't kept as many clean sheets, but they had back-to-backs before he left in the sorts of games that you'd expect him to give a clean sheet to. And maybe we'll be seeing that defence kind of solidify. Um it all really comes down to with Allison. One, whether I want to pay that extra amount to get a goalkeeper, and two, the double game week. So Ben Crellin's been busy, active. His mind's been going a million miles an hour, uh, trying to figure out when these double game weeks are going to be for Liverpool. It looks like there's two really big options at the moment, which are uh, game week 24, which is Wolves away. So it'd be a Wolves-West Ham uh, double game week, two away games. And game week 27, uh, which would be West Ham and West Ham. Uh, for that, if I've got Mane and Salah, would I want TAA? And if, if I buy Allison, will I kind of be kind of thinking, well, sh- should I, would I want a, an outfielder to, with a higher points potential? As it is, I think that if I was to move off Pope, I think Allison would be the one I'd be most interested in. Just buy him in, leave him there. The issue is obviously the, the fact that you're gonna, you may well want that money again. The template is going to shift again, isn't it? And things are going to change. It's just one of those things that, it, unless my goalkeeper gets injured, I, I I am often just reticent to remove them. Again, probably a failing of mine. Um, but I think if I was to remove Pope, I w- I'd probably go with Allison and just kind of bank the six points every week. Um, that, that's what you pay for. You pay six million, you probably get six points, right? Um, I mean, I obviously had a lot of uh, success with David De Gea in the past, and I guess that that's kind of what's colouring my perception a little bit. I mean, do you think six million is a bit too much, though, Nick? Well, yeah, I think so. And I think this this season has um, sort of illustrated, I know Alisson's been injured, but, you know, Edison, for instance, hasn't kept up with some of the cheaper options. And, you know, it's like you're paying 1.5 million more compared to to, um, some of the cheaper options out there. But, you know, these these top players, these top goalkeepers make less saves. So even when... um, 
even when the 4.5 million goalkeepers um, can see clean sheets, you know, you, they can rack up sort of four, um, you know, five or six saves or even up to nine saves and end up with four or five points just even off the back of a, a defeat and losing a clean sheet. So I, I haven't really been sold by the premium goalkeepers this season. You know, you've seen the likes of Kepa as well at Chelsea struggle and, um, you know, um, as he, as I mentioned, Edison um, and uh, Leno at Arsenal, even though he's only five million, also struggle. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still more of a fan of sort of the the 4.5 million price goalkeepers, even though they're all sort of rising up to about 4.95 now as well. Yeah, you're right. And also, what was so good about De Gea in retrospect was the fact he was Dave save, so he was getting a gargantuan amount of saves. Not anymore, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's made more errors leading to goal than Leno has um, over the last uh, couple of seasons, which is absolutely abysmal. Uh, really, to look at that stat and look at himself as well. Uh, but yeah, probably you're right. I mean, that harsh binary of uh, a six or a two, um, I think the start of the season I went with Pope for a reason which was that I can just shove him there and leave him there and um, maybe I'll stick with that until I wild card but you know like I can end up with Ramsdale or something uh, for the same reason to hope to exploit the fixtures maybe try to take a leaf out of the book of people who brought Guaitar in uh, but yeah um, not really too sure also when when a sort of a cheaper goalkeeper gets a clean sheet it's normally because they put in a defensively solid display and they can often get the the sort of free bonus points as well so you can see these sort of 10 pointers from the likes of Matt Ryan the likes of Henderson and Pope but if um you know the likes of Chelsea or or Manchester United or, or Liverpool keep a clean sheet is normally because they've smashed the opposition. You won't be seeing the goalkeeper anywhere near the, the bonus point. So it is that sort of harsh binary of a six or two when you, the other cheap goalkeepers seem to have a much larger range of points available. Maybe not United smashing opponents, but um, yeah, maybe the others. Right, okay. Uh, staying with the defence then, defensive questions. Uh, so Chris Duckworth and Adam Pritchard, shout out to Adam this week, Captain Danny Ings, um, absolutely destroyed uh, destroyed the rankings a uh, uh, victory for milk toast there and um, ask which defenders we should be looking to um, over the christmas period and morpheus fire who we met at the christmas party again a really great lad uh, mentions he's looking at the triple down on the city liverpool defense so maybe he'd be listening to my allison uh, exhortations uh, <laughs> with, with interest but yeah i mean it's, it's been an interesting uh, case hasn't it as fpl general tweeted the other day um it was a bit of a landmark moment wasn't it where we were all basically hinging on free 4.0 defenders do the business for us um uh, it, it almost seems like that defense um whatever goalkeeper you've got rico kelly lundstram and then whatever it used to be taa now someone like aurier or something is the defense that we've, we all seem to have it's a bit awkward it's a bit strange but it seems like it's going to be pretty decent oh, and so on to of course actually it, it's all going to be pretty decent over the course of christmas we shouldn't really be looking to change it up are there, are there any players we should be looking at? You know, the likes of Lewis Dunk, the likes of Tarko, these players who are going to be guaranteed 90-minute men. I think these guys can be guaranteed 90-minute men as well, aren't they? And they're cheap and they're playing for relatively defensively sound clubs. So I'm not too sure we should be messing around with it too much, right? No, yeah, you know, we've, we've got quite... A, we, well, most of us now, from going sort of a very expensive defence, have, have these very cheap defenders. You know, I noticed that sort of my defensive, you know, out-of-actional cash 
you had at the beginning of the season for all the five defenders. I've only spent one million of my, of my total budget with three, four millions and, and two, 4.5 million. So yeah, it's, it is ridiculous how, how cheap our defences are right now. And, you know, as I said, I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be messing around um, too much. You know, John Lindstrom, obviously, he's um, key to our defences. You know, looking at the underlying stats, he, you've got Trent, obviously, that's been sort of performing well. But Lindstrom's out, out, out shooting him with 26 goal attempts. It's ridiculous, this guy. So, you know, you've got your Lindstrom's, you've got your Kelly's, you've got your Eco's. You know, just, just invest... Um, with, with all that sort of savings, you can really get some really decent midfields and attacks. So I wouldn't over be fooling around with the defence right now. I think if you, if you want to, if you, if you want to play a few differentials, you know, perhaps after the Liverpool game, um, Ricardo Pereira could be a good shout for a more expensive defender if you fancy a bit of a, a Leicester double up because Leicester have been really, really good defensively this season. And Pereira has been sort of one of the most sort of prolific attacking defenders over the course of the season as well he sort of um, got a couple of goals and an assist to his name uh, the second highest scoring defender in the game so you know you can definitely see some more returns for him coming up could perhaps even take a risk on a, on a Chelsea defender as well you know I think I honestly think with Rudy back, I think they, they look a lot more solid again and you know I think I think um, you know there's a few options that presented themselves again in that Spurs um, game, you, you'd be surprised actually, Tom, that their top um, scoring defender right now for Chelsea is uh, Marcus Alonso. Um, so perhaps um, if you're really fancying a bit of a gamble, um, he he got 11 points against Spurs. Perhaps he's he's quite. I don't know if he's nailed on. I you know I really don't know, but he played in that left back berth um, in that game and probably impressed Lampard. He's got a goal and three assists over the course of the season. So assist Alonso firmly off the radar for most of us, but um, he's back um, and maybe even. Um, my man from the beginning of the season, Luke Dean, another, you know, differential premium if you're fancying um, an option there. 5.7 million, got nine points at the weekend against Arsenal. And um, Everton, with their new manager, could get that new manager bounce. And they've got Burnley, Newcastle, City, Brighton, West Ham. I saw as tweeted about Luke Dean as an option today. And that put him in my mind as well. Perhaps if you are looking at the more expensive defenders. Yeah, I just think the with the plethora of uh, options in midfield and attack at the moment, um, that that has to be where your focus is. So I wouldn't worry too much about the defense. Treat it as a unit like we used to, and later on, if you get those players like Luca Dean or whatever emerging as being fantastic options, like you know, I looked at some of the numbers in preparation for this, and Matt Doherty at the moment is top four xG for defenders, for example, but he's got a couple of bad fixtures coming up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Is it really worth six point one for him when you can pay? 4.3, 4.4 for someone like Kelly and have that extra money to push forward? Probably not. Um, but I'm sure there'll come a time when that value is shown again. It's just not showing at the moment. And at the moment, the template seems to be suited to uh, uh, to, to front-loading your squad. All right. And the final question this week, which uh, takes us nicely on to the uh, captains uh, and transfers, is Hescobo, um, who asks, who is the best captain option for game week 19? And it was going to be Son, wasn't it, Nick? But unfortunately, uh, that one's out the window. Yeah, it's certainly out the window. I think he was basically the nailed-on captain for all of us, including myself, even though I didn't own him. I was planning on bringing him in for this, this game week. And, and now it is really a bit of a dilemma at the moment. Um, you know, I've been looking at, obviously, I've been looking at the options, trying to weigh it up in terms of my own own team. And, you know, I, I just don't fancy Marcus Rashford at home against Newcastle. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a classic that's a classic fixture, isn't it? That looks good on paper, but is going to be incredibly tough. And he's, yeah, he's like Watford. <laughs> yeah, well, Watford at least I, I kind of thought you know he, he should be able to 
you know, Watford, we, we consider relatively weak defensively. Newcastle, you know, they're, they're, pretty, st- they're pretty stubborn. They're quite a, a bit of a unit in terms of their defence at the moment. And, they'll, and Steve Bruce will no doubt park the bus and, you know, try and frustrate Manchester United for that entire game. Um, so I can see... I've kind of ruled out Rashford, to be honest, as a pick, even though he's perhaps got the best fixture out of all my team. I think um, one option is perhaps Deli Alley, um, Brighton at home. He's also got a decent fixture. Uh, but the, the one, actually, Tom, that I'm leaning towards right now and I've, is, um, is Sadio Mane, actually. He, he's got Leicester away, but you know, I just think that Liverpool, perhaps, are the team you want to be captaining a player from um, week in week out I think Vardy would be the option but obviously he's playing Liverpool any other fixture I'd probably go for Vardy but um, yeah I, I, I'm going towards Mane right now um, though it's, it's, it, is a, it is a tough one I, I might change my mind or reserve the right to change my mind but at the moment I'm, I, I've got it down on him the bus catches on uh, Delhi Alley um, against Brighton. I do think that after today's performance, there will be a reaction from Spurs. And I think that playing Brighton, who are inconsistent at best at the back, um, are gonna, is going to be very, very good. Um, it is a good option. I just wonder how much Son's absence is going to impact Ali, because as we've noticed the last couple of weeks, Son has actually assumed a fairly creative role for Spurs. But it may also mean that Ericsson comes back into the team. And Ericsson, of course, does have that creativity and it has that ability to find players that perhaps was lacking with the Dyer and the Sissoko axis uh, going on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still looking at... Um, I'm, I've still got an alley at the moment. Um, I completely see why you put it on Mane. Um, if I buy Salah, I'm, I'm, I think I'll give him the vice at least and I may well captain him. I just, I don't know. I, I think that, that I think there will be a, a response from Spurs, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ali uh, be the man at the sharp end of that. I'm glad that obviously I didn't catch them this week. I did, as it happened, I made a a, a two point uh, profit captaining Rashford over Ali or something like that. But yeah, no, it, it's definitely be a tough one. But I think it'll be between Ali, Ali and Salah for me, um, depending on what I do. Uh, so we've spoken about my transfers a fair bit, uh, Nick. You earlier on made some mad statement about benching Jimenez or something. How have you managed to get to that point? What transfer are you looking to make? Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking about selling Hayden or Hayden um, and bringing in uh, Jack Grealish. So that's, that's what I'm planning on doing. Uh, it was a bit of a... I sold Trent for Target last game week. If you, so that was basically going to be funding Son. But now I don't need Son. I've got a lot of excess cash that I don't really know what to do with. And, you know, I, I looked at crazy ideas. I looked at sort of changing Rashford and bringing in Aguero or, or bringing in Harry Kane or, or just doing something a bit radical. Um, I looked at sort of upgrading Jimenez as well. And I just couldn't really fit anyone um, in that price range. I looked at Tammy Abraham, maybe even an option who you're planning on selling as a Jimenez replacement or Danny Ings, but then I just thought, you know what, well, maybe if I just get rid of this guy that's just, you know, useless and, and bring in a midfielder that I want for the, for the next few game weeks. Um, I didn't really want Jimenez for the next couple of games, but, you know, he, he's, a, he's been pretty solid, a pretty, um, pretty decent player, you know, in the last... I think in, in actually looking at sort of his stats, he's actually blanked only once in the last eight game weeks. So it, it, it seems a bit harsh to, to get rid. So I thought he actually he could be the perfect player if I have a, a missing player over the next few game weeks that he could just come off the bench and perhaps get me a, a decent return. 
Yeah, I'd be worried you'd end up looking a bit red nosed if that went wrong. Um, I've, yeah, yeah be a bit Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I can completely see that. It's just a shame, as you said, that uh, Vardy's uh, got that tough fixture, and it's also a shame that on uh, the twenty eighth, it's looking like he's that the West Ham game is probably going to be one he's rested for, isn't it? Um, if we take Rogers, uh, uh, Rogers' advice, I mean, should we just have a look at that game week quickly as well? Like. I don't know if we'll have a pod that week or if you and Sag will be able to jump on and do one. But I think that week's looking in- incredibly difficult to call just because you've got uh, Vardy, who would be the captain and who many people will captain with the information that Rogers has given us. I suspect that people in the community won't be looking to go there. Um, anyone there who stands out to you at the moment? Well, again, Spurs have Norwich. So maybe um, Ali again has to be in for it's Manchester City. They've got Sheffield United. Um, you know, that that is a really tough probably you know as, as we know they've been very defensively solid but you know you have to think about De Bruyne um, and then Liverpool have Wolves so you, you've got to be thinking about Mane again and, and maybe even Vardy just putting just ignoring Rodgers and thinking actually Vardy's probably the one that I'd probably put the armband on and and I don't think he'll come off the bench to be honest if he's not going to start unless I suppose unless they're losing at even impact sub but yeah I think you might have to just take that risk I don't know so probably Unless I get some definitive news, I'd probably just put it on Vardy. Mm, maybe. Yeah, maybe you're right. I, I think that last year, the uh, final game of the season, uh, Liverpool beat uh, Wolves at home and Mane scored a brace. So maybe Mane would be the one for me um, in, in game week 20. But yeah, no, it's, it's looking like it's going to be a very fun period, uh, nonetheless. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but more than that, I'm looking forward to Christmas. And uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to my break too. Uh, so uh, that's your lot this week uh, just say who we are we are who got the assist you can find us on twitter at wta underscore fpl you can find nick at wta underscore nick listen and subscribe across the podding spectrum yep and if you want to join our league the league code is eikx03 there's a theme every week last week it was christmasy um, this week's a little bit christmasy as well Yep. Uh, Merry Christmas uh, to all of our listeners or happy holidays, depending on your inclination. We'll be back. Maybe you and Stag are going to do one next weekend, maybe, you said, maybe Sunday. Uh, yep. if, and I will be back for my final pod. I'll be guesting on my own pod, which will be an absolutely fantastic uh, experience because I can say whatever the hell I want and make sure Stag can edit it all out. And I'll be back on the, uh, on the 2nd of January. Take care of yourselves. Uh, thank you very much for listening all year this year. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope to see you and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.